Hey, we have a very special treat today. Uh, David McCracken has come to our church the last few years. He's an internationally renowned prophet, and he brings a message of faith and strengthens the church. But he also comes, he seeks God and prays and says, what, what does God want to say to this church at this time in this season? He brings a prophetic word. So I'm excited to have him preaching to us today. Uh, now, the, the, the downside of having the prophet preach to us on screen is he can't give you an individual prophecy. So I know some of you wore your really bright colored shirts to the lounge room today, hoping that he'd pick you out. But doesn't kind of work like that. that. That can happen in person. But he, I tell you what, he might not have some specific individual prophecies, but he's got a word for our church. And this is what I find. If you lean in, the Holy Spirit will take the words that he speaks and he'll quicken them in our heart as God speaks to us. So church, let's get ready. Let's get expectant uh, for Pastor David McCracken. Well, it's great to be back with you again, even if it is just via the screen and the camera. This is a time in which all of us are experiencing new things. And I pray that as we have our time together this morning, that Holy Spirit will be so real and so personal in your own environment, wherever you're watching this. I want to start this morning by thanking Pastor John and Danielle for the joy that it is to do life's journey with you and uh, to wait on the Lord on your behalf. Your invitation is gracious and I'm praying that Father will speak into the church collective, but also to each one of you as an individual. Let's just pray together. Wherever you are, stop what you're doing, and just let's pray together before we start. Father, we thank you, Lord, that every person watching this right now is important to you. I want to thank you, Father, that you love every single one of them. Oh, Father, you accept them unconditionally, you love them, Father, unconditionally. You embrace them. And we pray that, Father, right now, every single person and the collective church C3 will hear your heartbeat clearly. Empower me, Father, I ask that I represent your heart well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, this morning I want to start with just a few clippets, uh, little pictures of the prophetic that the Father showed to me for you as a church, and then move into a word that, yes, it's for the church collective, absolutely, but it's for every individual that's listening and watching this broadcast right now. So here's a couple of the pictures I saw for C3 as a church. One, I saw this phrase, a restoration that will lead to multiplication. A restoration that will lead to multiplication. Now, let me tell you what that means. I saw people that were offended. Something, some person had offended them, and I saw that person under the grace of God being able to forgive that person. But not only forgive them, but reach out to embrace them and to bring them back into fellowship. But the wonderful thing that I saw was this, that in the time that they were separated from fellowship, that made other connections, other alliances, other relationships, and when they were restored into the midst, so too many of those that they had come in contact with in that period of time were restored with them. And so restoration of the individual led to multiplication of the gathering. So I want to leave that with you, a great time to be thinking, who can you forgive, who can you embrace? 
The second thing I saw was the digging of a fresh, deep well. Now this is significant because the well itself seemed to be small, but the depth of it was great. And it went right down to this huge reservoir of water waiting for it below the surface. And so the Lord showed me that this was the planting of a, of a fellowship, a, 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 call it what you like, a campus, an outreach, local church. And the smallness spoke of the smallness of the population in which that outreach was planted. And so the immediate population environment was very small. But because those who were part of that plant sent forth to dig that well, were so uh, deep in their own capacity to draw from the wells of the Holy Spirit and believe the miraculous and the authority of God in their lives and to dig that deep well of the Spirit in that place, I saw people coming from all sorts of communities surrounding that community. And so that local church that was raised up, that campus, it wasn't just for the local community, but it was actually a, a designed by God to, to reach an entire region. And so I leave that one with you, okay? Um, the next thing I saw was God giving this tremendous objective, uh, commission call, and then a, a substitute, a, a more easily obtainable substitute being introduced. And that really got my attention. And I felt the Lord speaking about uh, taking you into a season, individually and collectively, and where a whole new level of faith was going to be vital and necessary. Uh, in other words, it's beyond the natural. Because he has a supernatural provision awaiting you if you'll step out in faith and obedience to receive that. Now, when I was leaning into that in turn, I heard a phrase. Now, this was a phrase. It said, settle not for Haran. Do not settle for Haran, H-A-R-A-N. And I thought, exactly what you're thinking right now. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm going to minister on that now. I want to share with you what I feel Father's heart is saying to you concerning that phrase. But... In a nutshell, here's what it means. It means don't settle for less. It means don't settle for anything other than what the original dream was that God gave you, the original commission, the original intention of Father's heart. What was the dream that he put within you? Don't settle for less. Okay, let's see why God used this particular phrase when he spoke to me. Do not settle for Haran. Okay, Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Okay, I read from the New King James. If you're following along, some translations vary a little bit, but that's okay. Genesis 15 and verse 1. And we're just going to read the first three words, actually, and pause and comment. It says in Genesis 15, 1, after these things. Now, pause. Pause right there. Because the moment you actually read in Scripture... After these things, then you know that those things are very, very important to what you're about to read in the ongoing narrative. 
And I, so I thought, okay, what's he referring to? After these things. Well, in Genesis chapter 12, you have the incredible prophetic promise given to Abram. He was Abram in the beginning, not Abraham that came later, but incredible prophetic promise given to Abram. And then in chapter 14, in the, in the formative part, verse 14 or so, you have Abram going into this incredible time of conquest and, and triumph and, and defeating multiple kings and, and a time of great success and blessing, amazing time. And then verse 18 onwards, you have him having this incredible spiritual encounter, uh, an amazing spiritual encounter. And so when it says after these things, it's actually referring to the most amazing journey, this time of faith, of conquest, of success, of blessing. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid. Don't get anxious, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. My friend, why on earth would Abram need to be told that after he just had so many successes and victories and triumphs and encounters? Why would he need to be told that? Because, and I've found this, I've been serving the Lord now for over 53 years, and I'm telling you now that no matter how successful your yesterday is, each new day, each new challenge, each new commission from God needs a time of encouragement. So don't feel bad about the fact that God has so blessed you and, and now you're getting a little bit shaken about what's coming up. God will encourage you in the midst of that. And verse 2 comes God's ongoing dialogue with Abram. Abram said, Lord God, verse 2, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is actually Eliezer of Damascus, who was his servant. And verse 3, Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir, Eliezer, the son of my servant. You see, my servant's son is my heir. Now, what, was, what he was facing right here was this. The promise you gave me personally, as an individual, in chapter 12, that incredible prophetic promise, it hasn't fully come to pass. Now, I'm getting faced with a choice here because I know what you said about me in chapter 12, the incredible promise that you gave me, but I've got no children. But my servant's got a child. And yes, he could become my heir. I could, maybe I should settle for that. Maybe I should just settle for that. I mean, I do have, I've been blessed, I'm successful, I'm doing great, uh, and I do have a servant, and his son, great young guy, he could become my heir. And, and so these thoughts are going through Abram's mind, and God addresses that concern. Verse 4, verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. Don't settle for second best. But one who will come from your own body, your own loins shall be your heir. So God's now directly addressing Abram's area of concern, the original commission given. And it's like God is saying, no, I meant what I said in the beginning. And then verse 5 to 7, you know the story, how he comes out and he says, take a look at the stars of the heaven. 
If you can count those, that's what your offspring is going to be. And it's going to be your offspring. God counted it to him for righteousness in verse 6. And then in verse 7, God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth of the Chaldeans to give you the land to inherit it. This land, the land of Canaan. I, I'm still the God of chapter 12. They haven't changed my mind. I'm not going to settle for anything less. I'm not going to settle for halfway house. I'm not going to settle for something that's more easily obtainable. It's more immediate. No, no, no. Second best will not do. I gave you a word. I'm going to bring it to pass. It's the word of the Lord coming the second time. I still intend to bring to pass everything I commissioned you to do. And I feel so much in my spirit that God wants you to take this as a personal word this morning. God is faithful to what he originally asked you to do and promised that he would do on your behalf. So the thing that I have found over, as I say, 53 years of ministry now, my God's a covenant-keeping God. My God's a covenant-keeping. He is faithful. And Abraham did fulfill the promise. And Abraham did become the father of a staggering nation in great inheritance. And so, number one, my first point this morning is embrace the original commission. If you embrace the original commission, you will inherit the original provision that was provided with that commission. So don't just settle for a convenient, convenient amount of that. Go out there and stretch your faith again. God is faithful to the original promise. Now, my second one, my second point is somewhat more of a startling one. And here we go. And my notes, aren't iPads are wonderful things when they behave themselves, that is. Um, and so here's my next point. And that is that Terah, Abram's father, was actually part of the original commission, part of the original um, uh, promise of God, the original uh, destiny that God placed upon them as a family. When you read Acts chapter 7 or Genesis chapter 12, it talks all about Abram getting the vision, getting the call of God. But Genesis 11 tells us that quite clearly that this invitation was also given to his father, Terah. In chapter 11, Genesis 11, 31, and Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abraham's wife, and they went out with them from the early Chaldeans in order to go into the land of Canaan. So pause there. What you see here is when the original commission is given, it's Terah that takes the leadership. He's the patriarch. He's Abram's father. He is the one that takes the, the primary commission at that time. Get up out of the Ur of the Chaldeans and go to the land of Canaan. It could not have been clearer. And so what I want you to see is everything that Abram inherited, amazing land of promise, was actually in the heart of God to give Terah as well as Abram. And, but something happened, my friends. And that was that as they traveled towards the promised land, the, the land of promise, 
they came to a place called Haran. Haran. And Terah decides to settle at Haran. And so because it was a pleasant place, it was a great place, um, his, or his relatives were settling there. They were having children and it was a really cool place. But, but it wasn't the ultimate promise that God had put in Terah and Abram to go out and possess. And that's why it is in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 that the Lord speaks to Terah's son, Abram, and says, Now, you're not going to settle here at Haran. Get out of your country, from your family, your father's house, to a land that I will yet show you. And so, in order to possess the promise that Terah failed to possess, Abram is faith level, his obedience level, his sacrifice level has to go to a different level than Terah was willing for. And so he mentions three areas here which I think are very significant. One, your country. Two, your family. Three, your father's house. Well, your country, that's the kind of broad, wide, general um, step one, level one of faith and obedience. And then he says... Once you've done that, then I want you to get out from your family. Now, don't misunderstand that. That's the Hebrew word modern day, and, and, and it means lineage, kindred. It means cousins, second cousins. It does not mean your wife and children, okay? It means it's quite a clear word. It's talking about the clan that you gathered around you, okay? And so that was second level of faith and obedience. And then your father's house. Well, that's kind of going to the top shelf of obedience. That narrows it right down to the immediate. And when I was reading this, I felt the Holy Spirit say, what is your cutoff point in your obedience? Well, what, where, where do you stop your obedience? Because Terah was really obedient. He was filled with faith in the beginning. When God said, get out from your country, get out from the earth of Chaldeans, Terah just packs up everything and does exactly what God says. But then he gets to Haran and all of his kindred, what, what this Hebrew word family, monodad, it means lineage, kindred. He's, all of his kindred started gathering at Haran. And we know it's a very special place because they started naming their children Haran. They loved the outfit. And so even his, you know, his uh, son-in-law's father was named Haran. And he named one of his sons Haran. And, and it became a place that was identified with that wider clan. And when God says, now, leave your lineage to continue the journey, Terah wasn't willing for that. And so God now had to speak to his son, Abram. And the tragedy is this. Pause for a second. I'm 72, okay? 72 years old. But I'm planning for the next two decades what Father has for me to do, and by his grace. Age has got nothing to do with it. But I think Terah considered that, because at the time when he settled at Haran, and the word of the Lord had to come to his son Abram, he was 145 years of age. 145. So he could, might have said at that time, I reckon I've done my bit. I'm 145. For goodness sakes, give it a rest. What a tragedy 
because he actually lived till he was 205. He could have had 60 years in the promised land. Oh, he started out well, my friends, but he settled for a nice contented place that robbed him of his ultimate destination. And so the word of the Lord comes to Abram, get out of there, get out of there. And then he says the highest, and then he says this thing, and from your father's house. Now, don't misunderstand that one either. I looked up that word house in the Hebrew, and it is B-A-I-Y-T, buy it, something like that. Some of you may be Hebrew scholars and will wince at my pronunciation. But what I noticed about it was this, that it was both, applied negatively and positively. It was a term that was entirely negative or positive depending on its context. And so I looked it up and on the positive, the positive application, it said that which has been built, a place of abiding, a place of security. And then I looked up the negative application of the exactly the same word. And it said a prison, a prison. So the essential thought in both is that it is something that has been built, purchased, leased, with the thought of staying within those four walls. A place of security? Absolutely. But also a place of restriction and confinement. My friends, what are you willing to settle for? Human security, contentment, can be the enemy of going on to pursue what God has ultimately called you to possess. In your pursuit of a great marriage, have you come to an acceptable place, a, a mediocrity place, but it will uh, it'll be okay place? That's Haran. What about a property that God may have called you to possess, but, but suddenly you know, you get this more easily obtainable option, alternative, that doesn't kind of get so scary that you have to go right off the end of the pier with your faith, and it's right there, it's embraceable, it's Haran. If it's not what God told you to possess, if it's not what God told you to go out and take a hold of, then it's Haran. And I asked the Lord, I said, Father, Terah had such faith and obedience, uh, obedience in the beginning. What on earth entices people of great faith and obedience to, to settle at Haran? As I said before, you know, it's all by God's grace, I know, but I'm 72 years old and I, and I don't feel like settling one iota. I, I am absolutely excited about the next two or three decades serving my king. I said, what on earth possesses people of faith to settle at Haran. Here's six enticements that people of faith get diverted. Number one, I've already paid enough price. In other words, I've already been obedient. I've already stepped out. And quite frankly, the cost has been a, is great. And, and it's a loss of privilege, my friends. It's a loss of awe and wonder. I've paid my price, it's time for me to stop paying the price. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Number two, it's logical. The facts line up. Number three, it is reasonable. 
I mean, let's face it, I do have a reasonable amount of fruit in my life. I'm in a good place, I've got assets, I'm contented with that. It's a reasonable place. Hey, Ran. Number four, as I've already mentioned, it offers human security. Hey, Ran. Five, it's just less demanding. I, I, I mean, why do I have to keep stepping out off the end of the pier? I mean, do I really have to live the rest of my life taking steps of faith and initiative and Congress? Yeah, 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 really, honestly, yes you do. If you're going to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory who died to save this entire planet, yes you do. There'll always be new territory to go out and possess. But you know the most subtle enticement of all? is this phrase. Well, actually, I, I know I'm in Haran, but I also know it's just for a season. I'm just having a little transition here. I'll move on, I will, but I'm just enjoying Haran for a moment here. Now, I am absolutely convinced of one thing, that Terah never initially intended to settle at Haran. Absolutely, absolutely convinced of that. It says quite frankly in scripture, quite clearly rather, he got up out of the Earl of Chaldeans in order to go into Kenya. So this was a convenient breather. This was just a rest moment. But that rest moment, that halfway moment, became something else. You see, friends, a transition must never become your settling place. When God allows a transition in your life, a resting for a moment, is always to encounter Him, to, to have His work of your, His Holy Spirit in you. It's always for a purpose. Uh, refreshing, renewing, replenishing, listening to the voice of God. And then that fresh commission, that re-empowerment that will lift you up and cause you to continue to pursue the original commission given you. No transition is supposed to be your dwelling place ongoingly. It's for purpose. And when that purpose is achieved, we are to stand up again volunteer again, and recommit our hearts to pursue what God ultimately told us to do. Well, I've got some good news for you, and that is this. One wrong decision, two wrong decisions, three wrong decisions, they do not cancel a dream. Do you know that Abram himself had a time when he got diverted? He went down to Egypt, but he didn't stay there. He got up, and I love what the Bible says in that story where he goes down to Egypt, and, and then he comes back, and he gets realigned. It says, and he went out and rediscovered the original altar, that place of original encounter, that place where the original commission came. Friends, I feel that I'm so talking to you this morning. I, I'm staring at this camera, but I know in my heart that Father is, is communing with every single one of you as an individual. It's time to re-encounter the original altar. It's time to, to come back to that place of an original encounter where God, by the Holy Spirit, spoke to your heart, put dreams and vision in your heart. And he's saying this morning, don't settle for second best. Don't settle for something more. 
easily obtainable. 2020. Oh, it's a year of new opportunities for us all. Re-embrace the original commission. My friends, let me say this to you. You're born for something infinitely greater than reasonable. You're not called to do something reasonable. You're called to do something amazing, extravagant. Why do I say that? Well, because my father is. If, if we're going to represent him, then what he calls us to do, whether it's as an accountant or a truck driver or a housewife or a, or a stay-at-home parent or it doesn't matter, child, um, university student, it doesn't matter what your calling is. I'm telling you now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, commissioned by Jesus, Father has a work for you to do that will be truly supernatural in its outcome. Don't settle for anything less than that. Hayran is not your destiny. A land flowing milk and honey is your destiny. Marriage, marriage mediocrity is not your destiny. Excellence is your destiny. Sufficiency is not your destiny. Abundance is your destiny. A respectable amount of fruit is not your destiny. An abundant harvest is your destiny. The taking, as a church now, the taking of your neighborhood and a few other neighborhoods, that's, that's awesome. It's incredible. It celebrates heaven, but it's not your ultimate destiny. Your destiny is the conquest of the region, the conquest of the sea, the conquest of the nation, and the conquest of the nations of the earth. Don't settle for anything less than what God's called you to. I'm going to wind this up and close, but I'm so stirred for every single one of you this morning. Don't allow the more easily obtainable, settling place, sufficient but not the ultimate. Don't settle it, Hayran. My father has the ultimate dream still alive. You may have been in Hayran for a short time. You may have had your transitional moment, but it's time to arise. It's time to embrace again God's call, God's commission, whether it be to do with your own personal life or your marriage or your family or your vocation or property or whatever it is. Don't settle for Hayran. My friends, reach out now to embrace all that God has called you to be and to do. And I know that my heart and the heart of my team here at DWM is to support you and encourage you in any way that we can. And I want to encourage you to go to our website, davidmccracken.org. We have packed it with stuff that will encourage you, inspire you, prophetic stuff, inspirational, devotions, teaching series, preaching. It is chock-a-block. And we want to invite you now to continue to be empowered by the whole team here to reach out to present to this whole world a Jesus that is truly supernatural. God bless you. Love you lots. I pray that your next 12 months or whenever I next get to be with you will be filled with reaching out in faith and incredible supernatural events taking place. God bless you. Love you lots.